What agency are y'all with? What news company are you with? With the Washington Post. The Washington. Get the out of here. Yeah, 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 yeah get the right. out of here. Move your shit in your shit life. How many more people have to die? Huh? How many more people gotta die? All the lies you've told all this time. That's what made this happen. They a lady died people. because of your lies. They mace innocent people. Why don't you tell the truth? Ever consider telling the truth? Huh? Have you ever thought about it? How do you feel going to work every day? Destroying these people's lives. And you guys. Are you proud of your self? Okay. you. Those were some of the voices of the rioters at the Capitol on January 6th, men and women who surrounded Washington Post video producer Kate Woodson and a colleague that afternoon, screaming at them with expletive-filled words of abuse. Woodson is a veteran reporter who years earlier had worked overseas in Southeast Asia, but she had never experienced anything like this, surrounded by a furious and threatening mob of American citizens filled with hatred and anger. It was one of many chilling scenes that day during an assault that federal authorities now say included rioters who were there to, quote, capture and assassinate elected officials. We'll talk to Woodson about her frightening encounter, and then we'll talk to Yahoo News national security reporter Jenna McLaughlin about her fresh reporting indicating that foreign funds in the form of Bitcoin were funneled to far-right activists who were involved in the Stop the Steal movement. All that on this episode of Skullduggery. Because people have got to know whether or not their president's a crook. Well, I'm not a crook. I told the American people I did not trade arms for hostage. My heart and my best intentions still tell me that's true. But the facts and the evidence tell me it is not. I did not have sexual relations with that woman. There will be no lies. We will honor the American people with the truth and nothing else. I'm Michael Lizikoff, Chief Investigative Correspondent for Yahoo News. And I'm Dan Clydman, Editor-in-Chief of Yahoo News. I read Kate Woodsum's piece in the Washington Post about what happened to her a few days ago, thought it was really powerful, really strong. But then I listened to that video we just played of what she was encountering and the the, the hatred that was being uh, exhibited and shouted at her. And I think it captures as well as anything I've seen of what the mood was among these riots of how angry and obsessed they were, especially going after the media, which is something we have heard time and again ever since the president very early in his presidency declared us the enemy of the people. There are so many uh, harrowing and dramatic stories coming out out of this uh, attack on the Capitol. But there was something about this story that was really moving, and it captured a really important kind of dimension to what is going on right now in in our kind of larger culture. It's this idea of the mob psychology um, and how people who believe they possess the absolute truth can turn on you on a dime. And you know, there's, it's not surprising that re- that reporters are becoming the targets of of this kind of hatred and and violence. Not just because for four years uh, Donald Trump has been calling 
the media, the enemy of the, of the people, but because in their zealotry, in their fanaticism, these people believe that they possess the truth and that the media is masquerading as people who are the ultimate truth tellers in our society. And there's something in that dynamic that I think brings out a, a special kind of hatred uh, for these people. And it's it's scary because how do you begin to change attitudes? How do you begin to pull people out of these uh, fever swamps and these rabbit holes of conspiracy theories if they believe that they are right and righteous? Indeed. And uh, just a couple of updates that have just come out in the, in the, in the last few hours. Uh, here on Friday, as we're as we're taping this, first uh, the the feds filed their charges against that guy Jacob Chansley. He's the QAnon guy. We've all seen the pictures of him wearing horns and face paint uh, at the national capitol. Uh, it was, seemed like kind of a joke, but in those court documents, charging documents against him, it, the uh, uh, the Justice Department included the language I cited before that some of these rioters were intent on capturing and assassinating elected officials of the U.S. government. Uh, it makes one wonder how much more the feds have that would uh, support that. And then just minutes ago, they announced the arrest of this guy in Florida, Daniel Baker, former U.S. Army airborne infantryman who was kicked out of the service, who was threatening further attacks next week, uh, between now and Inauguration Day, January 20, and actively recruiting others. So it's a sign of just how much violence. And this guy, by the way, uh, had gone over to Syria to fight against ISIS, to use his uh, army training there. And he was seen in photos and YouTube's uh, videos with a variety of firearms, including high capacity magazines and social media posts show he was uh, actively attempting to purchase additional firearms within the last 24 to 48 hours. So that's this week. So that gives you, I think, a pretty uh, gripping snapshot of uh, just the dangers that uh, we are all facing next week, even as we go back and look at what happened. Yeah, a uh, couple of things week. about this. First of all, yeah, there's no question that the vast majority of uh, Americans in, in our armed forces, uh, in law enforcement, are law-abiding, you know, decent citizens. But there is also a history of radicalization in the military, people coming back from wars, people who are lost um, and um, are attracted to darker forces um, and sometimes find those in those parts of American life. So I think that's something that's going to get more scrutiny. As far as the dangers are going forward, you know, there are people out there who I think probably wondered whether what happened at the Capitol was the culmination of, uh, you know, four years of uh, Donald Trump riling people up and leading to this terrible event on Capitol Hill. I think the fear is that it's not the culmination, but actually the beginning of something new and very scary um, in, in American society, which is armed insurrection, um, not just in Washington, but across the land. 
Well, chilling uh, words, no doubt. And I think our discussion with Kate Woodson uh, will be quite illuminating about the mentality of these folks. And just just before we start, uh, just another reminder that after Kate, uh, we're going to have Jenna McLaughlin about this very intriguing new report she's got about uh, foreign funds over a half a million dollars in Bitcoin uh, that were funneled to some of these characters. So let's get to it. We are now joined by Kate Woodsome, a senior producer for op-ed videos of the Washington Post. Kate, welcome to Skullduggery. Hi, thanks for having me. So quite an account you wrote in the Post the other day about your experiences on January 6th. And uh, we want to walk through them. But just starting out, you, you mentioned that you and your uh, videographer had covered lots of Trump rallies over the years and Trump events. But on this one, on January 6th, you did something you don't normally do. You wore a bulletproof vest. Why? Over the past few months at each of the Trump events that we had gone to, we had been hearing more and more discussion and a desire for violent conflict. You know, there are people within the Trump community that truly believe that the election was stolen. And then there are people who have long wanted essentially to overthrow the government and they are taking advantage of um, this Trump movement. And so this long predated, you know, Trump but anti-government groups that have been training for a rebellion and are waiting for that first shot, they've been increasingly active and increasingly engaged in the Stop the Steal movement. And so we knew that there was the desire and therefore the potential for violence. And that's why we put it on. Were you also conscious of you know what we've been hearing a lot from people that increasingly there is not just more animosity toward journalists, but threats and a willingness to actually commit violence toward journalists. I remember in 2016 going to you know Trump rallies where Trump would turn on the, the, the media and everyone would say, you know, fake media or whatever it was. But when you interacted with Trump supporters, they all wanted to talk to you and they were pretty friendly. That seems to have shifted. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Fake news and enemy of the people are really, you know, catchy phrases and people, you know, bandy them about and they've kind of lost their meaning. But right now the rhetoric is so violent and the desire and, and the belief that the election was stolen is so entrenched that people are, you know, segmenting the world into really simple terms as in patriot and traitor. And so enemy of the people and fake news that is now in the category of traitor. And when you have a conflict, a traitor is someone that you need to hurt or get rid of, or you know, it's an existential threat to their cause. And so, yes, it's, it, that was another reason why we put the bulletproof vests on. So just tell us what happened. Set the scene you know, that we saw in that powerful video and, the, and in the piece that you wrote for our listeners. Yeah, well, I'll just back up a little bit. Joye and I are reporting partners, and we went out. She's a videographer and a reporter, and we went out um, in the morning to Trump's Save America rally in the Ellipsis, just south of the White House. And it was 10.30 in the morning, and we were walking towards that rallying point, and I heard a man 
turn and thank two other men wearing camouflage tactical vests. He said, thank you for being here. And then he pointed to a construction site and he said, see that construction site that has pipes and bricks and concrete and the, we can use those later. And that was 1030 in the morning. And so I immediately realized, okay, we're going to see some action. And so Trump was speaking, he was late as usual, and we knew as soon as he said, you know, get to the Capitol, we had to run ahead to make sure that we were essentially at the front of this mass of people so that we wouldn't be behind it. And we got to the Capitol and we were right up at the edge of, of it, close to the wall. And, you know, and so there was a, a huge diversity of people. You had kids, you have Korean Americans, Iranian Americans, Puerto Ricans, you have evangelical Christians who truly believe that Trump is placed there by God and that only dark forces could interfere with his reelection. So lots of people that, you know, kind of had this, like, we're out for a picnic feel, and then lots more people than I've ever seen who were out for a fight. And, you know, people who said, show my face to the camera, I want them to see what the enemy looks like. I want them to see who's coming after them. We were badgered the whole way. Who are you with? Who are you with? Are you Chinese? Are you communist? You're with the Chinese. There's this, at every event, there's this vitriol and, and suspicion and hate for communism. Joy is Korean American. And so we have, that invites extra scrutiny from people who are, you know, uh, don't like these things. So were you wearing anything, by the way, it doesn't sound like you were wearing anything that identified you as reporters or working for the Washington Post. No, we, when we're in groups of people, we generally don't reveal our press badge. When we are closer to lines of police, we will have our press badge out to try to help them understand that we're not with the rioters. Right. Um, but then we tuck them back in. That said, we're videographer, we're video reporters, so we carry a, carry a camera and you can't not know that we're press. So Kate, as you were sort of walking to the Capitol and seeing the crowd and it's diverse, but did you have a sense that there were leaders, people steering some in the crowd to do certain things and to storm the Capitol or was it a, a spontaneous action? Yeah, not on the walk. I mean, it's a two mile walk and people took it at different paces. <laughs> I've sensed in reading the reporting from different vantage points, I now know that there were people already at the Capitol. And so I'm assuming that there were people there to direct. But when we were in the crowd going up, it was more like people who were ready to join the fight, but not steering it. But to do um, what? When they were marching to the Capitol, what were their intent? What were they planning to do once they got there? It's different for everybody. I mean, I think some people were just going to say, stop the steal, stop the seal. Just USA. shout outside, stop the seal. Yes. I think others were ready. I mean, <laughs> people were carrying pitchforks. People were carrying essentially like thick walking sticks that could be considered clubs. You know, there was all kinds of makeshift weaponry. And so looking back at the guys who were carrying these, you know, staffs, their intention probably was not just to chant. I love the, I mean, love, I mean, pitchforks. I, I know. I remember hearing that since uh, Pat, Pat Buchanan. Pat Buchanan, peasants with pitchforks. <laughs> I know. Rallying cry, pitchfork Pat. I mean, no matter <laughs> how much time goes by, humans are human, you know? Yeah. So, Kate, when you were finally surrounded by this mob, describe that and feel free to use profanity on this uh, podcast. <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah. 
So the Capitol had been breached and uh, Julie and I did not go in and we were on the east side of the Capitol, which is behind the Capitol if you're looking straight at it. And at that point, there was a lot happening inside the Capitol. A woman had been shot, fatally shot by Capitol Police and word of that spread like wildfire throughout um, the crowds. We were on the front when the shitstorm was happening on the back. Okay, and then um, at that point, when we were in the front, flashbang grenades were going off right around us. And initially, Joy thought it was a gunshot. I thought it was a bomb. Like, it was so loud. And so we had to get reoriented. We were still focused on the front. There was tear gas going off. There was a medical emergency. So we were filming this guy who probably had a heart attack and was pulled out and had CPR performed on him. So we were really focused on what was happening in the front. When we went behind, they had to be in. There was a mass of people lines lining up on the back of the Capitol steps on the east side of the Capitol that I didn't want to go through for safety reasons. And I think at that point, people were already in and what was happening inside was evolving. So, okay, so come back to the scene where the, where the, the mob is surrounding you. Yeah, so word spread that a woman had, one of the protesters, one of the Trump uh, loyalists had been fatally shot inside and people were really riled up, but they were also a bit dispersed. So there was a lot of people, probably a couple hundred people on the Capitol steps. I was about to do a live hit for the Washington Post live show. And so there was very little cell service, no uh, internet basically. And so I had to pull back a little bit to get cell service to be able to do the hit. And so I moved over to the south stairway to gather my thoughts, you know, just kind of put my notes together for what I would report. And I was standing there looking at my notes and Joy had her camera. And one of the rioters said, who were you with? And I said, the Washington Post. You know, my first inclination is not to misrepresent myself. And I thought, I'll ask this person, what is he feeling? Why is he here? What is it? What are his motivations? You know, I thought I'll engage this person and report a bit essentially, but telling him that I was with the Washington post was a complete trigger. The word is overused, but you can see in the video that he became irate and he's, you know, fuck you. You should be ashamed of yourself. He blamed me for the, the shooting of the woman inside. He said that we were responsible for her death, you know, pointing his fingers in my face, just screaming. And that brought more and more people around. And so as he, you know, took a breath, another one joined in and then another one joined in and another one joined in. And we were essentially surrounded. And um, I just stayed, it looks like I'm really calm. In looking back in the video, I don't flinch. I do blink. <laughs> I'm not a robot. But uh, I just kept thinking, don't do anything to provoke them. Don't you said in your piece uh, something like, don't show weakness. Yeah. I didn't want to show weakness. I didn't, I didn't want them to hurt me or joy. And I didn't have an operating manual for that. But I thought, I also wanted them to just see that I was just a woman. You know, like, I just thought, how is, how can they, and that was so naive of me, you know, to think, because my first instinct, no matter who it is, whoever has a different ideology than me, is I'm curious about them and I want to know, and I want to know more. And that is, in self-preservation, 
it's helpful at some point, but it was naive in this point because they obviously didn't have the same curiosity. They just wanted an outlet for their rage. Was there anybody who was trying to tamp things down? Any in the crowd? No, uh, no, 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 no. It's interesting because in that moment, each of them had their own motivation. One man said that he was from East Germany and he had grown up with the Stasi, uh, the communist secret police. And he said that we are the Stasi news, which is, I guess, the propaganda arm of that. And he said, they got rid of them and they will get rid of us too. They will remember our names. And so for him, he was drawing on his own personal experience. Somebody else was just there to, you know, puff up his chest and call us vermin and rodents. Another person wanted us to understand their cause. One woman wanted us to understand that the news creates division. So it was, we were really lucky that there weren't that many people. And when I say that many people, there were probably 20 people all around watching and around eight to 10 directly around us kind of engaging. And there was something that happened where I think, I think I was just so still and I was, it's so weird because I was in self-preservation mode, but I was also in reporting mode. And I, so I was listening to everything they were saying to understand, ah, this guy's East Sherman and that's what's motivating him. This guy is, you know, from there. And, um, but then I kind of snapped out of it when this younger guy said, hold on, let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question. You're a, a middle-aged white woman. And um, he was trying to appeal to me through my identity. And, and I just, I reconnected with myself and I started laughing. And I was like, hold on, hold on, hold on. What about me says I'm middle-aged? Because I'm going to have to work on that. And in that moment, as I reconnected with myself and started laughing, this guy got really nervous that he had offended my age. And he said, well, I said younger to middle age. I mean, I mean, you're not, I can't even see you because you have a mask on. And that kind of broke the spell. And I was able to move out of it. And they followed us a little bit. They kept yelling, but, but it was like, they realized there wasn't going to be a, you know, a total climax and they kind of went away. But what you saw something in that kind of very sort of human moment, it was up until that, I mean, it, it, the whole experience was terrifying and, and depressing, but there was some spark of humanity there that told you something, which you write in your piece. So talk about that. The point that you made that you realized that, you know, these people might want to do you harm, but they're also your next door neighbors and the people who take they, kids. They are us. They are us. They're the people We've who met the enemy and they are yeah, us. The people who take their kids to soccer practice. Yeah. Yeah. You know. When I laughed and made a joke about my age and it, and this younger guy was kind of knocked off his footing and he was worried that he offended my age. I reconnected to my humanity and I think he reconnected a little bit to his and it was the clearest sign that he is the guy next door and um you know he is the cousin who tinkers on his car as I wrote in my piece there were moms and dads out there who brought their kids these are all swaths of America low income middle income high income and when you have a group like that, 
And when you have a false reality promoted by the president and endorsed by Republican leaders and then reinforced and supported by armed anti-government groups, the boy next door can turn into a radical who believes truly that what he's doing is justified. And that's what was terrifying. You know, when I was in the crowd and my water bottle dropped, it hit the ground and it sprung a leak. And this guy behind me who had been, you know, invade the Capitol or seize the Capitol, he picked up the water bottle, noticed it had a hole in it. And he said, oh, that's such a bummer that has a hole in it. And he handed it back to me. And he connected with me at the loss of my water bottle and then continued to support the mob that was beating a policeman to death. So that's what is, I think people really need to understand is we have in the United States, this us versus them mentality. And, and truly there are ideological divides, but it's us, it's us, it's all of us. And everyone has different motivations, but we have and so a, much and, work And a lot do. of people who you would never imagine it may also be vulnerable to being radicalized and going down these rabbit holes. Yes. and. Beyond the radicalization, you know, there's there's soft support for this. I have members of my family who are Trump supporters and members of my family who are very close to me, who I for four years have been telling, hey, it's not safe for me to report. I'm sworn at, there are threats to journalists. And their response is, it's both sides. And journalists aren't fair to Republicans and they're so arrogant and they don't understand, um, they don't understand what's happening. And so there is this rationalization and this belief that somehow they're victims. And when you're the victim, you see the other as the threat. And it's sad, (laughs) it's really sad. I mean, I was shaken up, um, but I was more sad. You know, We've been talking about how these are our neighbors, our family members, uh, you know, people we encounter, our colleagues. uh, And yet, you know, I thought some of the one of the most powerful parts of your piece is when you wrote, when a delusion is promoted by the man with the nuclear codes, normalized by Republican leaders and reinforced by armed groups aching for a revolution, It's not just democracy that's in danger. We all are. These mobs will turn on anyone who doesn't support their version of reality. Exactly. And you can see it. I mean, these are groups that traditionally support the police. And they were screaming traitors at the police. And they, um, you know, they wanted to shoot the police with their own guns. EMTs were on the scene giving CPR to one of the um, rioters and they were yelling, are you a traitor? Are you a liberal with your mask on? And so we are all in danger. And I think what people, it's really hard to grasp and attach to democracy is in danger. Our norms are being broken. You know, that's such an intangible concept especially if you've never lived or reported or visited a country without a free press or without a democratic government. It's just this like thing that you see on television or in the movies. But people need to understand we are all in danger. You're physically in danger. You know, you're, even if you're not physically in danger, 
the likelihood that you're going to have your neighbors be angry at you could be high. One of the Washington Post's contributing columnists, Gary Abernathy, was a staunch Trump supporter. He's in Ohio. And when the president didn't support the election, that's what broke him. And he's now facing backlash from his Republican community. And um, yeah. Republic- I mean, we, we've been talking to members of Congress who, uh, you know, Nancy Mace, the new congresswoman from South Carolina, who voted uh, to certify the election. Um, and she was a Trump supporter. She worked on the Trump campaign in 2016. A constituent drives up from South Carolina, finds her on the street, accosts her on the street. And there are, you know, countless stories like this from members of Congress. Um, yeah. And so you're, you're right. You know, there is a level at which it's a it's an abstraction. And we talk about, you know, our institutions and our norms and high minded essays about this. But it's really about our physical safety as well. Safety. Yeah. And, and you know, part of your physical safety is being able to express your views, et cetera. And that's kind of also a hard connection to make. But if your reality is denied over and over and over, you'll start to, I mean, the stress that you'll carry in your body and the work that your brain has to do, it's exhausting. And that's, you know, well, one thing I think is interesting about all of this, and I haven't said it out loud, so it's probably going to be our inarticulate. But um, so I, I spent, I, in the very beginning of my career, um, when I was 23, I started my career in Phnom Penh, Cambodia. And Um, reporting. And I covered riots and I saw people killed and, um, you know, a lot of insecurity. I was, I was in a lot of situational danger, but I was never the target or considered the enemy. And I would like to say it's because I was the press and the focus was on other people, but I think more so it was because I was a white American with an American passport and I had the protection of my identity. And because my Cambodian colleagues, you know, wouldn't have as much security or um, couldn't assume that the police wouldn't go after them. In America, it's shocking now to see a white woman be berated and, and have to put on a bulletproof vest. And we should be shocked and we should be very upset. But I think part of the shock is because that doesn't normally happen to white people and um, or as much. and. I'm just, I think we all need to appreciate this awakening that the country is having that people of color, black Americans in particular, have felt this fear for a really long time. And when I talk about the stress in your body, it's, it's, it's not good for your physical safety. Since the Capitol attack, my muscles have been completely out of whack. I, you know, my stomach went bad. I looked over my shoulder for a couple of days. Anybody with um, who's been in past crises or traumatic situations is going to have stuff come up. This trauma is going to affect police officers. This trauma is going to affect members of Congress, anybody watching this stuff. And this trauma is going to affect the people who committed the violence too. And I think as this whole country is rattled, we need to have empathy for like the level of stress that Black Americans and brown Americans have been living with for so long. You know, like if we don't get that through, it's such a lost opportunity. And the other point I want to make, and, you know, this is an aside, but all of the reporting is like, oh, they weren't hurt. You know, they were in the melee, but they weren't hurt. Everybody there was hurt. You know, everybody there psychically and internally, physically, your fight or flight responses are going off. And when you can't move, when you can't escape from a situation, all of that adrenaline and 
cortisol is stuck. And so you store it in your body. And so in the days after I went to the market to get some ice cream to emotionally eat, and, um, <laughs> and, and I felt ragey, you know, I didn't say anything to anybody, but I was just like in my head, I thought, Oh, can you hurry up and bring me up? Like, I just want to get through this, but for people who, and I have, I have resources. I know how this, I know how to talk about this and I've, I've done this before, but for the people who committed the violence, who are also going to be experiencing trauma from a, you know, really scary thing. I'm concerned about where the anger is going to go. Well, if there's any silver lining to, to all of this, it's uh, that some people will come out of it with a little bit more empathy for what other people have experienced for a long time, and that's not such a bad thing. I, I actually want to uh, pick up on that, Kate. Uh, you know, since the events of January sixth, the election has been certified. Republican leaders, even like Kevin McCarthy, are are saying Joe Biden is the legitimately elected president of the United States. Trump himself has called for no more violence in his own way. And yet the president is impeached and, uh, you know, could well be facing a trial, will be facing a trial very soon in a uh, Democratic controlled Senate with a Democratic president. How do you think the people who are accosting and screaming at you are going to process what's happened since January 6th? You know, will this, uh, you know, will things get tamped down or will they be more inflamed or what's your take on that? There is going to be more division in the movement, um, in the, in the Trump supporting movement. And there are people there that, and there are people that watched it that support Trump and were horrified. And so I think for some people, there will be this awakening that this isn't the right way to go. And for other people, they will be more energized than ever. They will um, consider the impeachment and Trump's exit from the White House and a, a black Asian American woman taking the vice presidency as uh, reasons to dig in and continue their fight. And again, keep in mind, you have a whole bunch of people. You have people who truly believe in conspiracy theories or people who just love Trump and really believe that there was essentially a coup committed against him by big tech and Democrats and state officials. And then there are people who have been training and prepping and wanting a rebellion against the government for a really long time. And that's what is worrying. I mean, I think that first group that you talked about who were appalled by what happened, maybe, um, you know, the, who, the, the people who have the most to fear in some ways because they're the apostates, you know, they're the real traitors, I guess. Um, before we let you go, tell us what you your plans are. That There's, you know, a lot of security in Washington, but there is also the possibility of more violence this weekend and leading up to the inauguration. And of course, Inauguration Day, will you be going back out? Yeah, you can't. I mean, we love being out there. It's sick, you know? So we will be back out. Joy and I both have um, taken some days off and uh, worked out, you know, some of our physical stress and mental stress so that we're, you know, pretty ready to go. DC is essentially like the green zone of Baghdad. I mean, layers of fencing, National Guard everywhere. You've seen the images of National Guard sleeping inside the Capitol. 
there's the Washington Post has reported there are 20,000 members of the National Guard here. Nobody is going to be allowed onto the Capitol except if you have a US Secret Service press badge and um, access to the media village. And if you're in the media village, you're going to be tethered there. You won't be able to wander around. So I think um, if people come to Washington, the likelihood is that they could be kettled by police, which is, you know, they could be corralled into one area. Groups like the Proud Boys and Oath Keepers are saying on their online groups that don't go to Washington, it's a trap. Um, there's a lot of suspicion and paranoia right now. So you can look at that, but you can't necessarily take it for granted. Um, there was just a report out that Cowboys for Trump are coming with their guns. So, you know, it's, it's really hard to tell. We are gonna go and tell the story, how it unfolds. Um, we initially were gonna go inside the perimeter and we don't wanna be tethered. We wanna see more of, of what's happening. So we'll be out and about. We were gonna go to state, a state capital thinking that potentially that would have um, more, you know, more interesting dynamics than a, a locked down city. But then we have this sense of um, news FOMO <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I know. I mean, I know. I know what you mean. I mean, it, it is. You know, you have long experience covering um, riots and protests, and uh, I did a lot of it in the Middle East. Um, and there's a, you know, there's a, there's a sense of you know, you don't want to miss it. You feel like you have a duty to be there and to tell these stories. You also worry about, you know, frankly, becoming an adrenaline junkie and becoming addicted, addicted to it. So it sounds to me like you are thinking about it in all the right ways. And we really are grateful that journalists like you are out there to tell this story, our own at Yahoo News as well. And just keep your head down and stay safe. Stay safe. Yeah. You too.